Imagine that you're hungry for cake. You've never made this type of cake, so you're given a recipe that's telling you to use a 9-inch round pan and cook it at 125 degrees for 35 minutes. But you're hungry, and you want this cake immediately. Why? Because waiting is frustrating. And besides, you have a 14-inch pan at home, and you don't feel like driving to the store. You're out of baking powder, so what the hell, you substitute some baking soda. And you want to eat it sooner, so you figure, I'll raise the temperature to 400 degrees. It'll cook faster. But then when you take it out of the oven, somehow you're surprised that the cake is burnt and tastes bitter. You know why? If you want to make a cake, you have to follow cake-making instructions. And if you deviate from the recipe too far, you'll have something. But it won't be a cake. And it definitely won't be the cake you wanted. It's the same with being falsely accused of domestic violence and or unjustly alienated from your children. You have to follow the recipe. Implement the men who have already gone through this nightmare's wisdom Tailor it to your unique situation. Maybe someday you'll have your cake and eat it too. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing his podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them, their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. All right. How's everyone doing out there? I'm Chuck Kelleher, and welcome to the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. This is a show that's eliminating the marginalization of fathers. Why? Because we need to eliminate kids growing up without parents. Plus, increase society's chance at a better future. On today's show, we're stepping back from the interviews. Unfortunately, the most painful time of the season is about to be upon us, the holiday or horror day season. Whether you've been alienated from your children, are kept from them by the courts, or it's just her year with the kids for your family's special holiday, There are a few key ideas and strategies that the brave men in this program have shared with us so far. Before we move on with our lives, we first need to understand and implement the proven strategies, as well as eliminating the mistakes. You know, you gotta eliminate the mistakes these guys made too. Please remember, everyone's story is unique. Everyone's. So there's no one-step approach to staying in your children's life. Especially if you have a vindictive ex-partner who's willing to weaponize the children. That said... Know that you're not alone. We, the marginalized generation of dads, are here to support you on your hell ride. 
And don't worry, you horror story lovers out there. We have a backlog of personal misery stories in the upcoming weeks. You'll get to hear more spousal attempted murder, kidnapping, family-destroying court tactics, guys getting jailed for just giving their kid a birthday card, and of course, all the adultery woes. So, grab some techniques this week, go back to the stories next week. In a world where headlines scream for attention, we choose to listen to the whispers that hold the true revelations. Alright, let's get into this. If this is your first holiday season living through the nightmare, you gotta contact somebody. Friends, family, religious leader, your choice. Reach out to men's support organizations. Organizations like the Falsely Accused Network UK. These guys support guys, and they're expanding to North America, New Zealand, Ireland, Australia over the next year. Get in touch with groups like these. They can help you, and you're going to need it, especially if this is your first holiday season without your kids. To give you a little background on me, we're going to call this the 2005 holiday hat trick. I had my third wedding anniversary, my daughter's birthday, and Halloween. We're going to start the season off in September and work it up through Halloween, all right? It's our third wedding anniversary. My family's living in Brooklyn. My wife goes back to Toronto for some medical reasons. Now she's taking care of medical stuff. All right. It's just another family memory wasted, but that's okay. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices for your family. That same day, she emailed me that they delayed those medical appointments until mid-October. Translation, not only are we not spending our anniversary together, but I'm going to miss my daughter's third birthday. And I can tell you what, that wasn't happening. So I told her, no worries. I canceled our party in New York for the baby. Tell your mom we'll have it up in Toronto with your family. She comes back with, that's not a good idea because her mother said I'm no longer welcome in her house. There was an incident back in early September where I went up for my wife's birthday and my mother-in-law was supposed to babysit the kids so we can go out for dinner, decided she was too busy to do that. So uh, we ran out, got some takeout, grabbed some beers, some Mike's Hard Lemonade, went back to my wife's mother's house. Went up into her old bedroom, hung out, watched movies, and celebrated her birthday that way. The next day, her mom claimed, because we didn't bring the plates and the empty containers down, that the alcohol attracted ants. Now you got to realize there's some cultural differences here. My family, we drank. Her family, they didn't drink. It is amazing mixing different cultures. And if you haven't tried it, you got to get out there and experience life, man. But you have to understand, when you bring different cultures into your home, you have to expect them to be part of your family's lives. I'm not advocating drinking. I'm not advocating any culture. What I'm saying is we have to integrate that culture into our life. And some things other cultures do seem strange to how we grew up. It doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different. So instead of freaking out, or after we were both done freaking out, calmer heads prevailed. And they must because it's your kids' lives. So I said, you know what, babe? It's your mother's house. Therefore, like it or not, it's her rules. So you can tell your mom, not only will I not bring alcohol into her house, but I won't touch a single drop while I stay there. Like most back in 2005, we weren't doing that well financially. At the time, I was working a commission-based sales job, and my wife didn't work. Now, did I get along with my ex-wife's mother? No. Not before we were married, not after we were married. And my wife knew that, and she had to juggle through that crap. But she still continued wasting our time discussing why her mom had concerns about me coming up to the house to see my daughter on her birthday. When I finally had enough of listening to the nonsense, I said, baby, I love you very much. So tell your fucking mother, either we're in a hotel celebrating our daughter's birthday without her, or 
I'm staying there with my family. We don't have the money for the hotel, but I'm not missing the birthday. And you know what? She's welcome to join us. Even if we're at the hotel, she can meet us at the restaurant. I don't give a shit. Come hell or a beep beep tsunami, I'm going to be with our daughter on her birthday. Then I paused and allowed my wife to respond. But man, that phone remained uncomfortably silent for a while. But that's okay. Wait it out. When she finally did speak, she said, I know you'd never do anything to hurt us, but I don't want my mom to think that you're abusive. This is going to agitate her. I interrupted again. I'm sorry, baby. But those are her demons, not ours. I don't care what your mom thinks about me anymore. So give our daughter a kiss goodnight for me. She immediately promised that they would be home for Halloween, and I just said, great, I'll see you then too. Then she asked me to hold on, and somehow was able to clear my visit with her mom. But there was that one provision, I can stay there, as long as I agreed not to drink, not a problem, I'll do anything for my kids. It's always easy to tell when your spouse is being manipulated by another person. Their tones will change, their body language will change. The way they answer sentences, whether they're short or curt or longer drawn out, you have to figure out those patterns. But if you look, you can actually tell when the other person's in the room. But when you're away from your family, the only thing you can say is, that's okay, babe, whatever makes your life easier, or I love you very much, have a great night. All right, now fast forward to my daughter's birthday. I take a 7 7 a.m. flight out of JFK Airport. Now, my plan for this trip was to ignore my wife's mom and just support my wife because she's going through this hell with me at the time. So if it meant I had to keep my big mouth shut for a weekend, that's what I would do. All right. And at the time, I was doing it for my wife. Anyway, I get to Toronto. Nothing really happens. Blah, blah, blah. We fast forward to the next day. My wife wakes me up because her mom didn't want me in the house while she went to work. I think it was a Friday. She left for work between 8 and 9 in the morning and told us we had better be in the car before she pulls out of the garage. Even if we wanted to stay in the neighborhood, her mom misplaced her spare keys last night and refused to lend us her keys. So we either had to walk around the neighborhood or walk around Toronto. And now this mindless plan was to meet back at her mother's office between 5 and 7 p.m. or if we chose not to leave in the morning just leave the house when she leaves for work. We could walk around the neighborhood or go to a mall and then meet her mom back home between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. I yell out, what are we supposed to fucking do? Walk Young Street end to end? And for all you non-Canadians out there, Young Street is long. It is a long ass street. All right, well, she tries to explain to me that, well, it's my mom's house, my mom's rules, throwing that back in my face. I couldn't believe the words coming out of my wife's mouth. We're going to take the kids out of a warm house. Now, this is a one-year-old and a soon-to-be three-year-old out of a warm house in Canada, and it's fucking October. Regardless, my blood started to boil, and I was about to lose my fucking mind. All right. Took a deep breath. Inhale, hold, exhale, hold, inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Box breathing. It's the basics. And while doing that, I noticed her mom's reflection in the bedroom mirror. She was watching us from outside in the hallway. Her eyes were sparkling, and she had a smile that connected her ears. Picture a child's face when they come downstairs and see their dream toy waiting under the Christmas tree. Well, it was time to change strategies. 
put my arms around my wife and said, I'm sorry, baby. Let's not argue. I get it. It's your mom's house. Therefore, it's your mom's rules. She gave me a hug and said, I'm sorry, too. And then I dropped the bomb. I think getting an early start's an amazing idea. We should have your mom drop us off at the citizenship office. That way, we can apply for my dual citizenship in person. Now I want you to picture that Christmas kid's face when they find out that gift was for the cousin they fucking hate. She yells, I'm going to the store to buy some milk, and everyone needs to be ready to go when I get back. Don't make me late for work. That was around 8.30 in the morning. At 10.30, there were still no signs of her. So my family and I decided to take that nice walk. We left the patio door unlocked till we returned. Now here's the lesson learned. Monday was a Canadian holiday, meaning the citizenship office didn't open until Tuesday. I should have followed my own advice, should have followed my instincts, and kept my big mouth shut, because I still don't have dual citizenship, and that ship has long sailed. We've seen this in other episodes too, when people antagonize the judge, when they antagonize the cops. They fight back. When you poke the beehive, you're probably going to get stung. Sometimes it's in your best interest to shut the fuck up. Anyway, we decided to celebrate my daughter's birthday by taking everyone out to dinner that night, including her mom. I considered it a peace offering. And as promised, I didn't order a single drink. However, man, I really could use the triple. Alright, my mother-in-law is so predictable. The moment we were seated, she tried to order me a beer. When I told the server I preferred water, Mumsy almost fell out of her seat. When you're trying your hardest, and nothing is ever good enough, that's a big red flag. Again, in hindsight, you should start thinking about leaving a relationship if you start seeing this pattern, and it's ongoing. Again, nothing's ever a one-off, right? But if every time you buy something that's needed and it's not good enough, you move something that needs to be moved and it's not good enough, you cook something, not good enough. Wake up, it's not good enough. Paint the house, it's the wrong color. Repaint the house, that's not the shade I wanted. It's a lose-lose, guys. And you really got to think about leaving the relationship. And make sure you do it in a smart way. As a reward for keeping my promise, her mom interrupted every single word out of my wife's mouth. But only when she tried to speak to me. If I made my wife laugh, Mumsy made her regret it. That night I watched my wife's resolve erode at the dinner table, and by the time the food was served, she'd withdrawn altogether. We ended up skipping birthday cake, and no one spoke on the way home. Oh, except when Mumsy offered to stop at the beer store. Instead, my wife and I took the kids and went straight upstairs. I can tell you this. My wife changed that night. That's a story for another episode. Now, what happened next was beyond the pale. My wife was still upstairs when I decided to make breakfast for the kids. As expected, the night watchwoman took up position no less than 10 feet away from me. She used to follow me around the house everywhere I went so I didn't steal anything. What I didn't expect was, she actually allowed me to use her kitchen to make breakfast. Now she tried baiting me into an argument by asking my girls, one and three years old, if they liked the extra play space here compared to what daddy's house offered. I did a little box breathing, 
I smiled, and then I performed some funny dance moves instead of engaging with her. The kids thought I was hilarious, and that was all the strength I needed to ignore her mother's nonsense. Focus on the kids. Always in these situations. Focus on the kids. Here we go. When I opened the freezer door to get the waffles, her mom's guest bottle of vodka slid out. Now with a fingertip catch, I grabbed this bottle millimeters from hitting the floor, and I safely returned it back to its frosty mausoleum and made some waffles. My wife practically skipped down the stairs before giving everyone a good morning kiss. She was so happy it was like when we were dating. We enjoyed our family breakfast, and we planned out our day. When everyone had finished eating, I tried taking my dirty plates to the sink, but her mom ripped the dishes from my hand. The silverware slipped from the plate and clanged around the kitchen floor. I just said, fine lady, you do the dishes. I even left the fork and knife on the floor and went to the bathroom to wash my hands. When I returned, my wife was standing beside the refrigerator holding our youngest. And when I say she was angry, brothers, I have never seen her that mad. Her mom was standing next to the sink, clutching the garbage bottle of vodka. So I asked, hey, you making Bloody Marys? Very cool. Enjoy. Nah, no, no thanks, I'm good. My wife's grimace made it clear. This wasn't the time for humor, Chuck. She turned to me and she said, did you drink any of my mother's vodka while you were making breakfast? I was like, oh man, I thought this was something serious. And then they both stood there staring at me. I'm like, oh, you are serious. No, I didn't touch your mother's decade-old garbage vodka. Her mother pointed her index finger repeatedly at the two-inch chunk of ice at the neck of the bottle. Oh, it looks like you did, Chuck. It looks like you tried to hide your tracks by filling the bottle with water. Well, now I'm intrigued, and I'm ready to play. Really, Dr. Watson? Please elaborate. And then I smiled and stared. It's the oldest sales trick in the book, because whoever talks first, loses. At the time, I thought my wife and I were partners, united for a single cause. So she knew exactly what I was doing. And that pissed her off. She snatched the bottle by the neck and shook it. Vodka's missing from the bottle, Chuck. And I know it wasn't me. My mom knows how much vodka's in that bottle. And she doesn't drink vodka, Chuck. Therefore, it wasn't her, Chuck. And you're the only other adult in the house. Unless you want to accuse the kids of drinking the vodka. Is that your answer, Chuck? The babies drank the vodka? I let my wife rant. Her mother stood behind her with her arms folded. It was like being in a B-movie with D-rated actors. And to me, it was obvious. And I laughed. But I looked in my wife's eyes. And she wasn't there anymore. You know, it's one thing to think I drank her mom's vodka. Any other weekend, sure, that might have been the case. However, it's a relationship changer to believe that I'd go back on my word. I just looked at her and I was like, baby, I told you I wasn't going to drink this weekend. I told you I was here for one reason, our daughter's birthday. That's it, man. How could you think I'd break that promise to you? Oh, her mum tried to speak, and I interrupted. No one's talking to you, Bruja. And I turned back to my wife, and she just shook her head in disbelief. So I said, are you fucking kidding me? All right, let's look at this scientifically then. She goes, scientifically? You're right, Chuck. You should call the police and report a break-in. If it wasn't you, then obviously someone must have broken into my mom's house and committed this crime. Mom, call the law and order team so they can fingerprint the scene and solve this mystery. Three adults in the house, two don't drink, vodka missing, who did it? 
Oh, man, her mother was so proud of her little hatchling. When my wife stopped mocking me, the two of them stood there writhing, waiting for my defense. My wife was a mirror replica of her mother. And be honest, it made me sick. Only that feeling quickly changed to anger. Box breathe, gentlemen. Box breathe. I said, ladies, try following the bouncing ball, and I'll use really small words. Are you ready? Allow me to take you both on an enchanted journey. Fact. I have a college degree. Fact. I know water freezes at a temperature of 32 degrees Fahrenheit. In Canada and the rest of the world, that equals zero degrees Celsius. Fact. When we put water in an ice cube tray and then put it in said freezer, that water gets hard or freezes. And that process usually takes about three to four hours. Now, once the water freezes, we call it by a different name. We call it ice. That's spelt I-C-E. Now, are you both still with me? Okay. Don't be scared. This isn't witchcraft. It's a thing called science. Fact. Different liquids freeze at different temperatures. And as crazy as that sounds, vodka will not get hard in a normal freezer. And that's why Mumsy over there has been able to keep that shit vodka in her icebox for over a decade. All right. At this level of sarcasm, I had hoped my wife would have snapped out of her mother's trance. But she decided to dig in deeper. Not a problem. I entertained her bullshit for a while, until I couldn't stand it any longer. Okay, my turn again. I look at her, and I say, here's a recap. Now we understand that vodka won't get hard in the freezer. But in a couple of hours, not minutes, water will freeze. Now here comes the thinking part, ladies. And I hope you've paid attention in math class. That vodka bottle has roughly two inches of ice in it, filling about 20% of the bottle. Let's say I gulped the known percentage of vodka from that bottle, and then went to the sink and replaced it with water. Her mom yells out, see, he admits it. Fucking idiot. And then I put that bottle back in the freezer. How long would it take that water to turn to ice? My wife stuck her chin out, frowned, and remained silent. So I intervened. Okay, let's say 20 minutes. Twice the recommended cooking time on the box to serve up those rascally waffles. Now keep in mind, I'm under close geriatric observation at all times here. Therefore, even if I did slip past the Crypt Keeper and chug that ball sweat vodka, wouldn't common sense or even a third grade education dictate that I wouldn't use water to cover my tracks because it'll freeze. And even if I were stupid enough to use water, it wouldn't have frozen yet. Unless I drank it last night while taking a shit. What do you think, Mumsy? You were listening outside the bathroom door the entire time because I can't walk freely around your house. Would that have been enough time for me to pull off this caper? Well, the Wicked Witch of the North freaks out, starts yelling about her house, her rules, blah, 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 blah. I just said, fuck you. Please go to a doctor and get whatever help you both so desperately need. And I went back to New York. I was never so happy to be on a fucking plane by myself. That weekend was truly a low point in my marriage. All right, there are two holidays. Here comes the third. A couple of weeks later. It was our youngest daughter's first Halloween. Once in a lifetime memory. And I felt very strongly that our family needed to be together. Mumsy ran her usual, all-too-familiar interference, 
complaining that we didn't have the money to be wasted on flights for me to fly from New York to Toronto for a long weekend where I could have been working and that money could be used to support my family when they came home. I told my wife, tell your mom, we are respecting our budget and that's why I've been working a night job to pay for this trip. Now you thought my wife would have been happy or proud that her husband took the initiative because I feel a person working two jobs to unite their family is admirable. Instead, my wife accused me of hiding financial information from her. She called me dishonest, and our fighting escalated to the next level. I hated being away from my family. I really feel a person should be able to come home from work and spend the nights with their family. She wasn't working up in Canada. She was just doing nothing but waiting for her next doctor's appointment. She told me to stop using bullshit excuses, that I'm not providing for our family, And if it wasn't for her mom, we'd be living on the streets. Which is insane, because I'm calling her from our apartment in Brooklyn. My wife defended her mom's interpretation of her financials. She couldn't understand her mom was destroying our family. Until I interrupted. Fuck your mother. After I said that, my wife said, Well, you can come up here if you want, but no one will be in my mom's house on Halloween. So if you show up, you'll just be standing outside by yourself. I said, Not a problem. Because if I don't see proof that my children will be home by October 31st, and that you and the girls are coming back, I'll be standing on your mom's doorstep until whenever the hell you show up. Now here's where I think the mind game started kicking in. I get confirmation from my wife's mom that the girls are finally coming home. Their flight's on Thursday, November 17th, and they'll arrive at Kennedy at 11.25 in the morning. So I'm asked to save the money for the flight, because in three plus weeks they'll be home. I say, that's great news. However, I'll still be up for Halloween. I get a call the next day saying, don't bother booking the tickets. We're coming home now. I'm done with my mother's bullshit. This is crazy. I'm coming home, Chuck. I'm coming home. Needless to say, something came up, something changed, and they never came back before Halloween, forcing my daughter and I to miss her first Halloween together. Unfortunately, I do have a different memory from that Halloween. Because there were so many kids in my neighborhood running around on their way home to and from school, dressed in costumes, each of them holding their parents' hands, laughing, trick-or-treat, coming to get candy. Oh, it was a great day for a lot of people. But instead of being happy, celebrating a family memory, I felt resentment that day. Holidays aren't about the individual. I understand this. And my focus always has to be on my children. I was pretty sure my wife had planned something great for them. And I should have been happy. In fact, I was happy for them. I just missed them so much. And every high-pitched giggle, every ring of the doorbell, reminded me how much that day. And that's why we're doing this episode, How to Survive the Holidays. All right, we covered a little bit, but lesson learned. Don't kick the bear. Don't poke the fucking hornet's nest. If you want something, agitating somebody who has the power to give it to you is not going to work in your favor. Sure, you can get the immediate self-gratification, the immediate ha-ha-ha made you squirm. What you won't get is time with your children. What's more important to you? The other thing we talked about were patterns. If nothing you ever do is right, if nothing you ever say is correct, you gotta think, maybe we're not meant to be together. And if you have kids already, that's tough, man. But eventually, you don't do anything right, can turn around to become, I need to get out of here, and the only way to get away from him 
is to falsely accuse him of domestic violence, which is ridiculous because you can simply just get divorced. Now, you can't make your ex comply. You cannot make your ex include you. They should include you. They should want to include you because it's beneficial to your children that you're involved. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Anytime your ex-partner stands in the way of you being with your kids, blocking you from a phone conversation with your kids, or keeping school or other information from you, you got to take that deep breath. Sometimes you got to take a hundred and hope that someday your ex will see the light. But you know what? If you're here, that probably doesn't matter anymore. Nobody knows how long this journey is going to last. Some ex give up after a while and everything becomes okay. Others dig in for the long haul because they can't realize or come to grips with the fact that they were the abusers and that you were the abused. Heck, some of us can't even realize that we were the abused. The holidays are going to be tough because you're going to be alone, but don't be alone. Plan something. We've got Teams and Zoom and all these other face-to-face FaceTime programs. There are other guys out there who will not be with their kids during the holiday season. Make plans with them. We used to have a group on Mother's Day called the Divorce Daddy's Day. Because on Mother's Day in America, most moms get their kids as per their divorce dip. Which leaves a lot of divorced dads to do nothing but wallow in their sorrow while their weekend was cut short because their mother's holiday fell on their weekend. What we did, grabbed a group of guys, we'd meet at a pub, and just have a bitch fest over a couple of pints. That was a good way to spend a day that normally you'd be planning something special for your children's mom. Because as the dad, you plan for mom, mom plans for dad. Because you're a team. Oh man. It's not going to be easy. It's not. And it could last a long, long time. But you make your own adventure. You make your own holiday. And if you have access to your kids, give them a hug for all of us. Because somebody wanted to assert control over us. A lot of us won't see our kids during the holiday. If you don't have access to your kids, do something other than burying yourself in a bottle or a bag. Take deep breaths. Call somebody. Try to find yourself a win. Take that walk. Go check out nature, but be careful. Day hikes are dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Walk along the beach if you have a beach. Pick up an instrument. Find a way to occupy your time during the holidays. Do not sit there and wallow in self-pity. Because you are daddy and you've got this. Alright? In the United States, there are 18.4 million followless households. That means that at a minimum, there's 18.4 million children also missing daddy on these holidays. We need to get our stories out there so people understand that not every dad is a deadbeat. Not every dad wants to just go out and hook up on holidays instead of spending them with their family. You got to pick and choose your battles with their family, with the schools, and with everyone else. And the truth is, the only thing we can control is how we react to a situation. What you do and how you react is the example your kids will see or hear about. Because someday... God willing, they're going to ask you, hey, what'd you do on the Halloween? Hey, what'd you do on Christmas? What'd you do on Passover? What'd you do on Ramadan? What did you do when you weren't with me? And then you get to look your kids in the eye and say one or two things. 
I blew lines off a sex worker's ass, or I joined a group and helped a lot of other dads who missed their children that day too. That way we had someone to hold on to, someone to hug, someone to say, happy holidays. At the end of the day, you have to have this, and you have to be strong for your children. But you don't have to be strong by yourself anymore. There are groups out there. Find them. There are other guys out there. Find them. You know that dude at work? The other divorce guy? He might not have his kids either. See what he's doing for the holiday. Make the best of every situation you have. If you don't make the best of every situation you have, I can tell you one thing's for certain. Nobody else will. Now, here's a lesson learned. Make sure you're mindful of getting involved with people who've experienced trauma. If a house once had an abused member who's no longer part of that family, and the remaining members have done nothing to heal, those issues might show up again in your household. If you're making an honest effort to make your family's lives better, and no matter what you try, it's just never good enough, it probably never will be. And man, if this happens over and over again, you got to be aware of the patterns of you taking the blame for everything. Also, remember when Mumsy let me cook waffles for the children? That was way out of character. She followed me around the house 24-7 and wouldn't let me touch anything. All that the kids could talk about the day before was how they wanted waffles for breakfast. Looking back, the setup was clear, man. The kids wanted waffles and I had to go to the freezer where the bottle of vodka was already frozen waiting for me. You know, my mother once told me, always check out your girlfriend's mom because that's who you're going to marry. Let's just say sometimes you should listen to your parents. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram. And let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons... I said to hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. So it's no man.